Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Robert DeLuca. Uh, Robert, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a JavaScript developer, or uh, the official job title is Young JavaScript. Um, I, I hear I hear that's a famous language. Uh, I, I thought it was pronounced with a soft J. JavaScript, maybe? Uh, yeah, it's actually for millennials. Ah, okay. Mm. Cool. I, I hear you guys have a, 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 you know, a little podcast or something. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe something. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's called Robert's Fired. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, it's called the, the Frontside Podcast. Um, yeah, we uh, build a lot of cool stuff. We do a lot of, <laughs> actually, uh, a lot of cool open source. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, do you, so do you use uh, Ember in your kind of like day-to-day job? Yeah, um, I all Ember. That's all I do. Um, sometimes touch a little bit of a uh, little bit of Rails. Um, it really matters what the backend is for uh, the current client. But actually, I, I transitioned from like doing like all CSS and a little bit of Rails um, and a little bit of JavaScript to like all JavaScript and a little bit of Rails, and then like I touch CSS like the first time like three weeks into the job. So, so you <laughs> uh, you you guys do backend too, right? So you you do Rails. Yeah, that's correct. Right. So, so you have, do you have like another department like backside? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so, Robert, you were at uh, JSConf. Uh, I want to say this this happened the last three days. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that is uh, that is a really cool conference, or it looked awesome. I was super sad, especially considering it was what an hour away from from here. Yeah, it, yeah, about forty five minutes. Forty five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a real bummer, but uh, yeah. So it was an amazing conference. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, it was uh, pretty epic. Honestly, um, it's it was like a giant party of just a bunch of uh, JavaScript nerds. It was really awesome. That's really cool. That's really cool. So, um, so what are what were some of the the highlights of the conference for you? Other than everybody getting a drone. Oh yes, so jealous. Yeah, there was there was a lot of swag. So I was not expecting. I always forget when I go to conferences to anticipate for swag. Uh, so I have two carry-ons already, so I had to try and like stuff my book bag with a bunch of stuff. Um, so they gave you a whole duffel bag of, of swag. That's pretty pretty awesome. That Man. sounds fun. Yeah, I also and, saw a donut wall on Twitter. Yes, there was a donut wall. There's a lot of epic stuff. Like, <laughs> I, can't, I have to review Twitter to remember what happened. Um, <laughs> Best conferences. Yeah, right? Uh, so a couple of the talks for me was like uh, the first talk was about accessibility by um, Felipe. Uh, he's really awesome dude and um he's from brazil and he speaks portuguese and he had his wife up on stage helping him translate um but he was trying his hardest to uh speak english and convey it to everybody but i think that drilled his point home even harder about accessibility and i you know that's that's really near and dear to me because my mom's blind and um, i want everything to be accessible right um so basically he just went through about the myths about javascript and how um screeners actually do play with JavaScript very nicely and like 97% or something like that do. Uh, and he just talked about like how you can make it a little bit accessible and a little more accessible for people uh, with disabilities and like keyboard accessibility, uh, area roles, applying them in the proper spots uh, and like marking up your content properly. So one of the things uh, that you just mentioned, uh, area roles, I actually didn't know about these. So, so can you talk a little bit more about that kind of expound upon that? Yeah, so like if you have like a navigation element or um, anything that's doing kind of complex things, uh, you add tags, like they're, they're data attributes basically, and mm-hmm. um, it, it lets the screen editor know what to do or how to handle this. And it, you also can label things properly. So if you have icons uh, that aren't very descriptive, you can add a label to it or you just like, you know, hide them. You can hide things from the screen editor with an area role too. 
Oh, that's cool. So that would be that would be helpful in situations where uh, you want the screen reader to notify the the person, the user, that there's nav these the all of these links. This set of links is for navigation, or this set of links is for something else. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. How how easy or how difficult is that to kind of rig up? Is it just set the attribute tags and and the screen readers will know to look for them? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I honestly the hardest part right now is uh, teaching developers about them because uh, there isn't really any, a great source out there for it. You have to kind of read through the spec, um, and that's you know that's mind melting. Hmm. Yeah. So basically, just get the word out and maybe get more developers on board with trying to keep accessibility in mind while developing. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, I think it's coming. There were two talks about accessibility at JSConf, um, at Wicked Good Ember. There is a uh, talk about accessibility there, so it's it's definitely happening, and it's a big deal. Didn't you say that there was a uh, there was a slight issue with Ember that cro- cropped up where there was like a, a form attribute that you could add to elements that would tell it what the parent form, and this was like an accessibility thing that doesn't seem to be working with the current versions of Ember. Uh, yeah, it's not exactly related to accessibility, but it definitely helps with accessibility. It's- uh, so if you do like an attribute binding um, to the form, uh, say you have nested forms with, uh, and you need to bind the form to a select, um, it doesn't bind that attribute right now as of uh, 111 plus. But I know uh, Steph Penner is doing a lot of work on that and and helping out with that. And yeah, it's really close to being released. Yeah, well, if Steph's working on it, it'll probably be fixed pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, next we're going to talk about a, a video by uh, Jacob Bixby. Uh, this was at the Seattle Ember Meetup, and it had to do with in-repo add-ons, uh, which we've actually been considering uh, using an in-repo add-on for uh, some of the, the features of Ember Weekend's website. So one of the things we, you know, we've been talking about is pulling out the player as a, uh, an add-on, and, but we're not exactly sure how that's going to look. Uh, so uh, this would actually be a good route for us to you know, take. Yeah, and define a solid API for how we want to interact with that with the right. player without having to go full fledged like have an npm package you know start supporting it because of course as soon as you do that people start using it um, now you're locked in APIs when you kind of just want to play around with it um, seems like a good idea. So uh, one of the use cases that that was mentioned uh, as a, as a really good use case for in repo add-ons is when you have a lot of reusable code in a single project but that won't be shareable outside of that project. Um, or if you need something private without using npm registry, this this was the only way to have private uh, add-ons until uh, very recently when npm announced the uh, private uh, npm or npm modules. And one of the other places we're thinking about using this is that uh, we we currently uh, create the feed XML uh, during compile time uh, because we don't want to be doing this you know on request. Actually, we don't even have a server except for the the fast boot version of the app. Um, so we have to pre-generate this feed XML. Um, and so we do this in the Brock file, and we go access, you know, what episodes are available. We generate this this uh, this feed XML and throw it into public. Um, and this would actually be something like that we could move out into a in-app add-on um, because it, right now it's kind of just kind of dirtying up our Brock file, um, and it's maybe it's something that we could, you know, somebody else could reuse later. Um, it would be nice to go ahead and pull it out and see whether right. you know, kind of it is is kind of uh, atomic in its own sense. Um, so we'll probably we'll probably be using this pattern, I think, in the future uh, to really extract things out that we think we might be able to reuse or that we just kind of aren't necessarily core to the app. Right. Yeah. And I think this was a really nice introduction to the concept of like how you would integrate these things and why they're useful, the in-repo uh, add-on specifically. So it's pretty cool. 
So next we're going to talk about Ember and uh, internationalization. Uh, there are a lot of projects out there that do this, and there has been a lot of work in the Ember world, um, but nothing has actually been really fleshed out or have you, you don't really have a solid base. And it's a, it's a really big problem, and I know that there are some people who are actually actively putting time into it right now. Uh, James Rosen asked us to to mention this on the on the podcast. Uh, basically, he's trying to push uh, Ember I18N, which is this uh, this long lived project that um, has been around for long enough where people are using it, big people are using it, and he wants to maintain backward compatibility, but he wants to move it over into an Ember CLI add on, and uh, and clean up the API and make it more future ready. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see. Um, you know, kind of like the evolution of, of this project along with other projects, because there is the other one from Brian Cartarella and Dockyard called Ember CLI I18N, and it takes a few different stances on some things. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I looked at both of them and kind of like read through this issue that's on there about merging them. Uh, and they were kind of going back and forth as to like what their main goals were. Uh, and it was interesting because when I first heard about this, my first thought was, wait, does that mean that you're pulling some big configuration file for every possible language that you're going to support? You know, down. Right. I, I think that's part of the the, the push to four zero, uh, four four zero zero um, for Ember IETN is to is to kind of address some of those concerns. Um, I think I think there's a there's a few differences that have prevented these two projects from uh, like merging into one. But uh, I know that there is some dialogue happening between uh, Brian and James Rosen uh, to to kind of maybe pull these together or share some knowledge. Uh, and I'm I'm really excited to see the direction that that either of these projects go. I know there's some differences, so uh, some of the use cases are, are are independent of one another. So it'll be really interesting to see how these two projects evolve. Uh, Godfrey Chan did a talk uh, called "An Antidote to Hype Fatigue," and and I watched it, and it was great. And all of his talks are super funny, very lighthearted, but then they have this very deep and and kind of specific like piece of information that he's trying to give you and the, the his his talks are great so oh oh yeah hot tip the the antidote is ember so yeah i mean i'm maybe i'm spoiling it spoilers i don't know spoiler horn is that a thing uh, anyways yeah so if you're using ember what are the things that um ember does right that makes it not feel like all the rest of these frameworks that are just coming and going you know he focused on the three main uh things that ember claims to do and one is to build ambitious web applications. Uh, one is to have a commitment to future standards, uh, and then stability uh, without stagnation. And each one of these things he hits, um, you know, building ambitious web applications. He's talking about building projects that are more more than just a view layer. So it, it has to be the test harness to the generators to the to the actual view layer to the data interaction, all this stuff. So so that's kind of the focus there. And then future web standards. So ES6 was one of the future web standards that uh, Ember addressed early on, and now we're using it. And most Ember developers have been using uh, some ES6 syntax for six months. Yeah, that was actually pretty awesome to be walking around at JSConf and like already have a bunch of ES6 features like in my tool belt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I think this is a story that's true for a lot of Ember developers. Like we're just we're getting a lot of firsthand knowledge, and we're influencing the spec. I mean. Uh, our feedback is being heard. I, I think our feedback is being heard. Um, Absolutely. You know, things we like, things we don't like. Um, and then, you know, web components, that was another um, future standard that that seem seems obvious now. Everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, of course, right? But, you know, Ember committed to this a long time ago. Uh, so I, I think that future standard kind of thing is is deeper than than some of the other. I think that, that, was, the, that was the thing that made me, like, really excited. 
from this talk. And then stability without stagnation is the final point that he tries to drill home. And this has to do primarily with the release cycle and how stable it is and how the core team is able to get features in from Canary all the way into releases into developers' hands um, without too much pain and how developers can reliably upgrade from 1.1 to 1.11 and not have to change anything or not change much. Right, you just get a bunch of deprecation warnings and you know fix them when you have time. Yeah, exactly. You fix the deprecation warnings and then you get all the new the new hotness. Um, so anyways, I, I can't recommend this talk highly enough. Uh, did you did either of you guys get a chance to, to kind of skim it? I sort of skimmed it. I am definitely going to sit down and dedicate, uh, like, what, 40 minutes? Yeah, 40 minutes. I, I listen to all of my YouTube videos, though, at double time, so I can't uh, help it. We actually need to inter- integrate double time into Ember Weekend, I think. is No, so I, I, would hate, I would hate that. I can't. I can imagine hearing myself talk twice as fast <laughs> as I normally talk. You just sound a little <laughs> higher pitched. It's no big deal. It's fine. Now, well, they, they do a pitch correction, which is awesome. But uh, so, like, I, I watched every video, like, on, like, online lectures and that stuff at two speed. Um, but if I ever met somebody that I had been watching all their videos at two speed and then they started talking to me at like normal speed, I would <laughs> think something like, was wrong with them. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you talking so slow? So slowly. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, so so I'm really excited about that talk. That's great. I'm going to be watching every every talk that he does. Yeah, he does an excellent job. And uh, I heard that EmberConf was his, was his first talk. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I did not know that. that. Yeah, that I, is... Wild. I'm not sure if I believe it. <laughs> I, I still refer to Celsius as Degrees Canada. Yeah, Degrees Canada. Is, so, yeah, like my, my 3D printer in here is everything's in Celsius, and I refer to it as Degrees Canada. Degrees Canada. <laughs> so we just mentioned uh, web components and how that's a big part of Ember. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit now about routable components. And uh, I know this is something that uh, basically everybody wants. Uh, it's a kind of an extension on uh, the idea of uh, components and how... Uh, these components should be kind of driven by the URL. So it basically takes over what um, the controller's responsibility was uh, in previous versions of Ember. And there's a little bit of sad news in that we may not actually get this uh, in Ember 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not going to be in the... It's it, it's not landing in the 1X series, so it's it's going to land sometime in the 2.0 series, so they can't deprecate uh, controllers. Right, in all of 2.0, yeah. right? Or in all 2.0. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 3.0 is probably when controllers just go away. Yeah, so so the the way that we're gonna end up uh, interacting uh, with these things is is gonna be through a, an add-on that comes around in what two one or two two. Yeah, um, so I watched uh, Eric Brin talk about um, Ember two from the Silicon Valley meetup, and um, it sounds like they're gonna do a little bit of magic. And uh, whenever you install this add-on, you if you opt in to controllers and you uh, you keep controllers around, um, it's just going to turn off the deprecation warnings for you. Um, but if you opt out, it sounds like it's going to remove um, the controller code and lighten up your code base a little bit for you. That sounds really interesting. I definitely like that as a, as a strategy. I feel like a, a number of features could benefit from that strategy, actually. You know, also like a bracket com- angle bracket components, um, you, could, you could have those in, uh, what, in 2.1 as a, an add-on probably? Well, anyways, yeah, so the state of routable components is that it's probably not going to make it into 2.0, but there will be a, an in-repo add-on that will allow you to, to opt in or opt out, yeah. depending on your needs. And this is like a, it's actually a much more complicated problem than uh, I originally thought of, um, especially we, we were talking about this a little bit before the re- uh, recording. How would you actually represent the folder structure of uh, routable components? Like, where would you actually put this in your app? 
uh, because if you just throw it in app components, now you have uh, basically what were controllers. You know, these these are the route handling components, and you have other components that are that are view uh, related. So, like, what does the folder structure look like? And we, I think we all kind of thought initially, well, pods would deal with it, um, but then you know, how would you, what would you actually name these? Like, cause would they be component JS? Right. Yeah. Now, now that I think about it, I think it's probably more, um, like they're going to be a different object type. So it'll be, it'll be routable component rather than component. And then you, they'll still live in the components directory. Um, it'll probably be like components and then routable, uh, like they do com- templates and components. So John made this tradition last time that, uh, whenever we have a guest on, uh, they get a name the episode. Uh, so what do you think, uh, you want to name the episode, Robert? Oh man, uh, you know I'm gonna keep it with uh, the internationalization, oh, and yeah. just could do like Ember Weekend with uh, R4T. Oh yeah, for <laughs> Robert. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. All right. Yeah. So J J1N and C3E. J1N and C3E and R4T. R4T. <laughs> <laughs> we're, all, we're all droids, is what this sounds yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This, uh, that works. Yeah, that's great. And that's all for this Ember Weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Robert DeLuca. And we'll talk to you next weekend. Tejas, as they say. Yeah. Uh, It's currently a giant lake. Oh, yeah. I saw it. There was like a (laughs) tremendous amount of uh, rainfall. So now Austin is taking like all the tech jobs and all the rain from California. And all the rain. And and the Californians. Yeah, and the Californians. <laughs> Actually, I'm originally from California, so I'm out in Florida now. The, you you got to go where you find water, right? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Wherever there's water. We just follow the water. We got little divining rods. Uh, uh, Californians.